0: Good morning, church. Every week, of course, I tell you that I love you, and every week I say something like, you always give me new reasons to love you, but again, this past week, you have given me a thousand more reasons to love this church family. I spent a lot of time trying to think up an illustration for this morning's lesson to illustrate what we're going to be talking about. But then I realized I don't need to come up with an illustration because this church has been a living illustration of what we've been talking about this week. This week I saw Christians, and I wish I could name names, but I know I would forget so many, but I saw Christians who had heat share with those who didn't. Christians who had electricity share electricity with those who didn't. Those who had water share water with those who didn't. Those who had a four-wheel drive vehicle share with those who didn't. Those who had shared with those who didn't have. That is a living illustration of everything we've been talking about in this series. Everything it means to be one body. This is what the church is. This is a living illustration that the church isn't some place we go, and it's not something we do. Church is not a place we go. Church is not something we do. Church is what we are, and we are the church 24-7. We are the church 24-7. We are the body of Christ every day, taking care of one another, loving one another, serving one another and this morning, what we're, we're thinking about and talking about is that God gifts each individual person. God blesses each individual person. God gives things to each individual person, not just for their own benefit, but also for the benefit of the rest of the body, the the benefit of the entire church. That's the way God works in his gifting. But that requires us to sort of rethink the way that we think about the way we perceive gifts. Because when we think about a gift, we usually think about something for me, not for us, right? In fact, I, I often think about a gift I gave my wife A few years ago, and I still feel kind of guilty about it. I I like to say that I gave her a new set of wheels that we keep in the garage, but those wheels were attached to a vacuum cleaner. And so I I still feel a little bit guilty because it wasn't just, I promise she asked for it, okay? It wasn't my idea, it was hers. But it, it wasn't just a gift for her, it was a gift for all of us. It was a gift not just for her to enjoy, but a gift for her to enjoy using to serve the rest of the family. And, and really, when you, when you think about a gift, it doesn't seem like that's what a gift should be, but that's actually how God gifts us. God gifts you, and God gifts me, and God gifts every individual Christian with gifts and blessings that are not just for their own personal enjoyment, but to enjoy using to serve the rest of The body, this is what it means to be the body of Christ. This is what it looks like to be the body of Christ. This is what it looks like to receive blessings and gifts from God through his spirit. And that's what our text this morning is all about. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4, Paul says, Now there are varieties of gifts. Just kind of think about that for a second. Varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service or ministry, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me read that again. For the common good. As individualists, and that's what we tend to be in our culture, is it? individualists, and as individualists, we tend to think everybody should get the same things, right? Everybody should get the same things. In fact, in my family, I have two boys, y'all know that, and if I give one boy something that I don't give to the other boy, if I give them different gifts, then what are they going to say? That's not fair, right? You know, that's what we all say. That's not fair for one person to get something that the other person doesn't get. So we tend to think that if God gives gifts, he ought to give everybody the same gifts. But Paul says that's not how the Lord works. That's not how the Spirit works. He doesn't give the same gifts to every individual person. He gives a variety of gifts, a variety of ministries, a variety of Activities, But it's the same God, it's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord that is empowering each and every one. But he doesn't give the same gifts to everyone. He doesn't give the same ministry to everyone. He doesn't give the same activities to everyone. In fact, we're far more blessed than that. We are more blessed than that. Because if I give to one son a set of gifts and I give to the other son a different set of gifts then the whole family is blessed by that variety if those gifts are used to serve the common good. And that's the way Paul says, this is the way it works in the church. So don't look at somebody else and say, how come I don't have that gift? Or I should have that gift? Or why did God give that gift to them? Or that ministry to them? Or that activity to them? He says the Spirit gives a variety of gifts. A variety of activities, a variety of services, but it's all for the common good. So whatever the Lord has given you, he hasn't just given it to you for your own personal benefit or your own personal enjoyment, but for the benefit of the rest of the church. And the same with the rest of the church. He's given those gifts to the rest of the church for your benefit. Think about how how much more exponentially we are blessed because that's the way the Lord works. It's so much better than if he had given all the gifts to you and all the gifts to them and all the gifts to every single individual. It's far more of a blessing that he gives each individual a variety. That he gives different individuals a variety of gifts and ministries and activities. But it only works. It only works if they're used for the common good. It only works if each individual says, I'm equipped, I'm empowered, I'm gifted, I have a particular ministry, I have a particular service, I have a particular activity, and they use that for the good of the rest of the church. But if they hoard it and hang on to it for their own personal benefit, then it doesn't benefit The rest of the church this idea of the church this idea of the community of followers of Jesus this idea of the one body only works if we rethink our perception of gifts if we rethink our perception of blessings where we don't think God gave this to me and I'm sure glad he gave this to me because I'm sure glad I'm not like so and so who doesn't have this He gave this to me for the benefit of not only me, but also their benefit as well. Look at verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, To another, the interpretation of tongues. I mean, notice how these gifts complement each other. Wisdom complements knowledge. Knowledge complements wisdom. Prophecy complements distinguishing between the spirits. Distinguishing between the spirits complements prophecy. Tongues complements interpretation. Interpretation complements speaking in tongues in, in different languages. All of these gifts complement one another. So Paul says they don't mirror each other. You're not all given the same gifts. You have gifts that complement one another, that only work in concert, in harmony. In fact, that's a good word, isn't it? Concert. I think about a concert or a bunch of instruments on stage all playing. There's some instruments that are, let's face it, I'm not going to name any of them, but by chance that I might offend somebody, but there's some instruments that are just kind of annoying by themselves, aren't they? I mean, they just don't sound great by themselves, but when they're played in concert with other instruments, they make a beautiful noise. And that's the way the gifts work. Now, we have a tendency to read these miraculous gifts and we say, well, how come I don't have any of those, right? How come I can't speak in miraculous tongues? How come I can't prophesy? But that misses the whole point of what Paul is saying, doesn't it? He gifted the church of the past, the church of the first century with certain gifts, and we continue to benefit from the gifts of the church of the past. We continue to benefit that God granted the gifts of apostleship and prophecy to the first century church. We continue to benefit from their giftedness. And the church of the present has its own unique gifts, its own unique ministries, its own unique activities the church of the present has its own unique gifts and so we don't need to look at the past and say how come we don't have any of those cool gifts no no no. the the gifts you have are cool the gifts that you have are exactly what the church today needs God takes care of his body God takes care of his body through the spirit God takes care of his body through the spirit by gifting each individual part with exactly what it needs to care for the rest of the body if it will use its gifts, its ministries, its activities for the common good. Look at verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills for just as the body is one And has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, isn't it? This is what unity in the church looks like. It's a unified diversity. It's a diverse unity. It's not the unifying of sames. It's the unifying of difference. We wouldn't be a body like the human body is a body if we were all the same. We're only a body because we're one and we're different. Jesus didn't bring together a bunch of people who were the same. Jesus brought together a bunch of people who were different. Jews. And Greeks, slaves, and free men and women, all of the different nations and tribes and tongues and brought us together into one body. And it's precisely because we are diverse, it's precisely because we are different that we reflect the body. Because just like a human body, our body is a diverse unity. It's a diversified unity, isn't it? a unified diversity. We have fingers and toes and nose and mouth and eyes and ears, and every one of them is radically different than the rest of them. But together they make up one body. And Paul says this is the way that it works. You're all different You're different ethnically, you're different in your socioeconomic status, you're different in how the Spirit has gifted you, you're different in your ministries, you're different in your activities. But when you're working together, when you're baptized together into one body, when you together drink of one Spirit, when you're working for the common good of the body of Christ, you reflect a oneness, a unity, Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of, many, of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Our variety of gifts, what they tend to do when we compare ourselves to other people, when we say, they have this gift, they have this ministry, they have this activity, and I have this other gift, or I have this other ministry, or I have this other activity. When we compare ourselves to other people, it tends to lead to either an attitude of inferiority, well, because I'm not that, because I don't have that gift, because I don't have that strength, because I can't do that ministry, then I'm not really a valuable part of the body. Or a feeling of superiority where you say, well, my gift is better than their gift. My ability is better than their ability. My ministry is better than their ministry. And Paul says, nonsense. Nonsense. That's ridiculous. A foot doesn't look at a hand and say, well, since I'm not a hand, I don't belong. That's not the way a body works. A foot is supposed to do the job of a foot. A nose is supposed to do the job of a nose. An ear is supposed to do the job of an ear. If every part of the body did the same job, then there would be so many jobs that went undone. But that's exactly what happens in the church so often, isn't it? We tend to prioritize certain ministries or certain activities, and we say these are the important church ministries, and these other ones, not so much. Every ministry, every gift, every activity that the Spirit empowers us and equips us to do is significant and important. We shouldn't have an attitude of inferiority or superiority, but one of gratitude. When we look at someone else and we say, their gift is different than mine, we should say, Thank you, God, for gifting them that way. Instead of saying, man, I just feel like a loser because I'm not as good as they are at this particular thing, you ought to say, thank you, God, that someone is gifted with that ability, even if I'm not, because I have this other thing that I'm good at and I can do. Rather than a feeling of inferiority or a feeling of superiority, we ought to have a feeling of gratitude because together we have all the gifts that we need. Isn't that what Paul's saying? Together, the body has all the gifts that it needs. But if the, the whole body did one job, there would be a bunch of jobs that didn't get done. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Every part of the body has mutual dependence, right? Every part of the body has mutual dependence. Every part of the body relies on the rest of the body. My eye has needs that my eye cannot meet, My hand has needs that my hand cannot meet. My foot has needs that my foot cannot meet. It requires the rest of the body to minister to it in order to have all of its needs met, right? There is no part of your body that doesn't have mutual dependence, Every single part of your body, no matter how significant you think it is or how insignificant you think it is, it is dependent on the rest of the body and the rest of the body is dependent on it. Every body part is mutually dependent on the rest of the body. You have needs that you cannot meet. I have needs that I cannot meet. Every single follower of Jesus has needs that, in and of themselves, they can't meet. They need the rest of the body. So this idea that Christianity is just one-on-one, me and God, me and God, we just got a special relationship, and I don't need the church—that's that, nonsense. This is the way God designed His people: is to dwell in and depend on one another that we each have needs that are met by the rest of the body. And the rest of the body has needs that are met through you. Look at verse 22. On the contrary, I love this part, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You don't treat every part of your body the same, do you? You don't treat every part of your body the same. You don't treat your eye the same way that you treat your foot, right? You don't put a shoe on your eyeball. You don't do that. There's all kinds of parts of your body that you treat in unique ways. There's even parts of your body that are so special we don't even talk about them. And that's what Paul is saying. You treat different parts of your body differently. Now, how do you take that concept and apply that to the church, Well, I hear all the time, and it sounds so logical. People say things like, well, I treat everybody the same. I treat everybody the same. I I look at everybody the same. I treat everybody the same. You know what Paul would say to that? Stop it. Because people aren't the same. People aren't the same. People have different needs. There are some parts of the body that lack honor. There are certain parts of the body that lack care. When they're out in the world, there are parts of the body that are treated differently. And so when we treat them in the body of Christ, we need to treat them as they need to be treated. If somebody is rich and famous and powerful, they don't need the same kind of care as someone who is poor and marginalized. Isn't that what Paul's saying? He's saying you don't treat every body part the same way. The parts that lack honor, you give greater honor to them. And so, as this would work its way out practically in Paul's context, if you were in a Jewish community, the Greek people would be lacking in honor. And so, in the body of Christ, how should those who lack honor be treated? With greater honor. They should be treated with greater honor because they lack it. They need that greater care. Or in a Gentile community, those who were from a a Jewish background would lack honor in the community, and so when they were part of the body of Christ, they should receive greater honor. Those who were slaves... Those who are women, those who were whatever, however they were treated by the world in the church, they ought to be treated with even greater honor so that we all have the same care for one another. How is it that we make sure that every body part is cared for the way that it needs to be cared for? By treating each part as it needs to be treated. So the idea that we treat everybody the same is not what Paul is teaching. Paul is teaching we treat every part of the body the way they need to be treated. So when we see that someone, because of their ethnicity, because of their socioeconomic background, because of their whatever, isn't being treated with the honor they need to be treated with in the body of Christ, we give them greater honor. We give them greater care because that's how we treat our own body. That's how we treat every individual Part. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If one body part suffers, we don't say, well, I'm glad that wasn't me. If one part rejoices, we don't say, "Ah, I wish that was me. If one body part suffers, the whole body suffers with it. If one part rejoices, then the whole body rejoices with it because we share in everything. This is the way the church is supposed to operate. This is the way we're supposed to live. And again, church isn't some place we come. And it's not just something we do. It's something we are 24-7. Every single day, we are part of the body of Christ and we care for one another as if we really were part of the same physical human body so three points in conclusion I want to cover to wrap this up point one the spirit is equipping you to minister to the body in a unique way now think about that for a second The Spirit of God is equipping you to minister to the rest of the body in a unique way. So what happens if you don't minister to the rest of the body in the unique way that you are being equipped? What happens if you hoard that to yourself? Well, then you deprive the rest of the body, the gift that the Spirit gave to you for them, right? The Spirit of God is equipping you to minister to the rest of the body in a unique way. Number two, we need to find the parts of the body that are most lacking in strength and honor and find ways to care especially for them. Does that mean we need to ignore other people? No, of course not. But it means we need to especially just like you would with your body. If one body part is hurting, or if one body part is weaker, or if one body part needs special attention, you seek out that one body part, and you care for that body part so that everybody gets cared for. And as followers of Jesus, we need to look for the people that need extra care, the people that need extra honor, And we need to find ways to care for them especially. And then number three, be willing to be served by the gifts the Spirit has given to others. Now, that might be the hardest of the three. Because if the body is going to operate the way that it's supposed to operate, I can't just step back and say, no, 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 I'm good, I'll take care of myself. Nope. That's not the way it works. Not only do you have to be involved in ministering to others, you have to allow them to minister to you. That's the only way they get to practice what the Spirit has given them. That's the only way they get to do what the Spirit has given them. That's the only way they get to serve as the Spirit has given them the power and the gifts and the blessings to serve. So when when you withhold your gifts, you deprive the rest of the body of that gift that the Spirit has given to you. But then when you don't allow yourself to be served by others, you deprive others the gift of serving you. Let's conclude with this one thought. The Spirit serves them through the gifts He's given you. The Spirit serves them, whoever them are, the rest of the body, your brothers and sisters in Christ. The Spirit serves them through the gifts He's given you. And we have to recognize that need that we have, not only for them to serve us, but for us to serve them. This is the way that it works. It is this mutual dependence. It is this circle of giving and loving and caring for one another, this circle of ministry that goes on day after day after day, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, not just by people that have minister as their title, but by every follower of Jesus that the Spirit of God is equipping. The Spirit serves them through the gifts he's given you. And the Spirit serves you through the gifts he's given them. And we have to make sure that we are participating in that oneness, participating in that ministry, participating in what church really is and what church really looks like. We need to find our place to serve. And not have feelings of superiority or inferiority, but feelings of gratitude that say, I am so glad and I am so thankful that the Lord has given to other people gifts that are different than mine. And I'm so glad and so thankful that the Lord has gifted you with the gifts he's given to you because the Spirit serves them through the gifts He's given you. This is the life into which we step when we're baptized. Isn't that what Paul says? We're all baptized into one body and we all drink of one spirit. And so maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready. Maybe there's somebody watching online and you're ready to be baptized into Christ and into the body of Christ, into this life of mutual care and mutual dependence. Or maybe you need to ask for prayers. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need to allow us the opportunity to serve you. Whatever we can do for you this morning, one of our shepherds would love to meet with you at the information desk, or you can reach out to us online. We love you. And as we sing this song, let's reflect on how we can serve and how we can be served by the church. Let's stand and sing together.